Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I don't particularly want to have to shag a ball dog. The Square Ball Podcast. To buy the Square Ball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. In this Square Ball Podcast, we bounce back from Barnsley with our dignity intact, but Sony not so much. We look at the history of left-backs at Leeds, still looking for dignity. And with Doncaster and Sheffield United coming up, we ask, is there any dignity to be found in South Yorkshire? Hello to you, welcome to the Square Ball Podcast. Thank you for lending us your ears for the next hour or so. And with me completing the studio lineup, Michael Normanson's here. Hello. Moscow White. Hello there. And Oddie. Hello. Right, lots to get through today then, so without further ado, let's get through it. Quick reminder um, before we do that, you can get in touch with us via many ways. Podcast at thesquareball.net is the email address. You can find us on Facebook, and if you want to get us on Twitter, you can tweet at the Square Ball. Right, straight into it then, white watching. Two games, sort of three or four days apart. Very contrasting emotions at the end. Uh, Leeds against Swansea, Saturday the 11th of September, followed by a thumping down uh, at the Dingles. Barnsley 5, Leeds United 2, just last night on Tuesday. How do we feel about these two games? I've forgotten what it felt like to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Last night's obliterated um, all the good feeling from Swansea. I think the feeling after Swansea, I felt a little bit like we'd got away with it, whereas... um, Last night we quite spectacularly didn't. There was there's not too much shame in getting away with it though. I think at that point, thinking yeah, if we keep on just hammering in rebounds um, and getting two one wins, then that'll be all right. Um, what happened after that's kind of put a different slant on it. Yeah, well, back down to earth, I think. Yeah, was it was it needed? Is it given Grayson the excuse he now needs to start changing the team a little bit? Do you think? Hopefully, because he has kind of maintained. A fairly consistent selection with with the players who performed last season, um, like Johnson, Naylor, Becchio, maybe haven't necessarily always looked up to it. I don't think so far. So it, it does give him the chance now to um, to maybe bring in some of his new players. Um, so talking about the midfielders that you identified there, it's a midfield that got regularly overrun in League One. It's not necessarily going to start tearing up trees in uh, in the Championship, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> well pointed out. <laughs> no, well, the, I think trying to find um, a replacement for them is the is the tough thing because um, there aren't many midfielders with the qualities we're looking for that are available. Other and we've been blown off a few times as well. I mean, it's not like Grayson. <laughs> oh, come, on. <laughs> come on, come on, stop being pure. Oh, come on, <laughs> can't we have an adult conversation? Um, about um, oh, I'm trying to think of another innuendo now <laughs> never mind um, yes we were blown off in the summer 
by um, Eustace. Didn't want to come. Montgomery, who would do anything for Leeds, but he wouldn't wouldn't do that. Um, And the mysterious icing on the cake, who um, was asking too much, according to Bates, just before the the window closed. So it's not like it's a problem that's being ignored. It's a problem that just we haven't we've tried to solve and haven't been able to. Well, the question that sort of begged in my mind. Looking at Johnson and Howson and Kilkenny as a unit, I, I can't work out exactly what they bring to the team sometimes because sometimes you think. Biscuits. They're a bunch of old women. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they bring. They bring biscuits and bingo cards. <laughs> because we spoke last night, didn't we, Michael? We, we were stood together um, down at Barnsley and Howson's been a different player this season. He's been much improved. And then in the second half, he just went completely off the boil and, and went back to being anonymous Johnny and um, Tom Kerwin I had an exchange with him on Twitter last night an interesting one actually and he suggested that uh, he's enigmatic I think that's probably a good description because at times he looks a hell of a lot better and then sometimes he looks dreadful The thing with Housen and Kilkenny is they're both quite good at what they do like, in terms of getting the ball down and passing it but last night they didn't even do that so you don't necessarily expect them to be steaming into challenges and breaking up play but last night they didn't even do the basic things well so it just meant the ball never once stuck in midfield and they weren't giving options to the defence which I saw Grayson after the game actually saying how we tried to play short passes which I didn't think we had at all I thought it was complete uh, just hoofing it up the field every single time and it was failing to stick It's maybe the thing with House and, and Kilkenny as well as rather than being Enigmas, they are what you said before that they're improving. Um, I mean, how's the both is House and 22 and Kilkenny's not many more than that, and so they are House and especially this season is improving, but that means he hasn't improved, and so he's going to have second halves like he has last night where he just reverts to being um the worst of House and um. And it's a matter of just over time getting more of the best. But they were all like that as well. You can't single yeah. them out. Um, that was Kilkenny's worst game, I think, I've seen him play. Is, is it not that they've been, this has been repeated, though? It's, it's a theme that keeps coming back up, that they look good one week and then the next yeah. week they look awful. And, and if inconsistency is a problem, why are they in every week? Because yeah. we no else. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've got a wealth of midfield. I mean, we'll come on to... They're all wingers, though. That's the problem. We've not, got, we've not strengthened in the, the position where we're weak, really. We, if, we, if we're looking at, at wingers who can come on and maybe change a game, we've got... Um, We've got the likes of Sam and Watt and um, Gray Lou, who I think are all, you know, good on the day. But in terms of just a solid holding player in midfield, we've we've not had one really since. Um, well, I was going to say Doyle, but <laughs> <laughs> and the thing with them being young as well is that it could well be that if we got rid at this stage, they would go somewhere else, as so many ex-Leeds players do. And by the time they're twenty-eight, twenty-nine, they're the best in their class. You know, they, they could it could just be a matter of time before. Um, those bad halves get completely ironed out because, as you say, House in this season. I mean, his goal last night he scored from the edge of the box, which is what we've been crying out for him to do all season. He's done it a couple of times this year. He's actually arrived reasonably late and scored a goal from midfield, which is something we want. But then he's not got to the point where he can do it all the time yet. I can wait seven years for that to <laughs> uh, Look at it another way then. Is, is Simon Grayson at fault for his loyalty to uh, players who are not being consistent enough? For the for the good of the spirit, I think it's very hard to change a winning team, and particularly when it's a team that won promotion last year. I can, I can fully see his, his um, reasoning for keeping these players in, but equally then he's brought in you know, Nunes and Faye in the last few weeks, which I think shows that in the back of his mind at least he's aware that these players that we've got are not 
necessarily going to carry us through this division. At the same time, he did between Saturday and Tuesday swap um, Sam for Watt because Watt didn't play very well against Swansea, so he was out. Sam came in, so it's not like he's not making any changes at all. I think he just he he obviously tends towards keeping the same team unless it's absolutely necessary. And it would have been hard to drop uh, Johnson having scored on Saturday. Likewise, when Naylor scored against Watford, yeah. he sort of redeemed himself for the own goal the week before. And then it's been a bit dodgy. I think you might try to use it as motivation as well. Yeah. Like, someone that, like Naylor, he, he said, um, he's even talked in the press about that, about him making mistakes and not playing well and how he knows it and he has to start doing better. And so he's, in advance of the games, it must be, you've got to go out there today and play better. And then when he's he's swimming around the penalty area on his back, um, you realise that it's it's not worked, and his chance his his chances eventually perhaps run out. Well, there's yeah, there's a there's a growing feeling, isn't there? Message board feeling, predominantly on Wacker, I would say, and, and you know others to a, to a lesser extent. But that Naylor's passed it. Is that is that a fair comment? You know, can we start to believe that his legs are starting to go? His, his positional sense is not what it was. From this season, you can't really come to any other conclusion because he's looked, he's made several key, key areas that have led directly to goals, and his general plays um, just been a bit sloppy as well, uh, which is a real shame because when he first came in, he was uh, he was the difference for us, wasn't he? When he um, he completely uh, transformed that defence mm. when when Grayson had first come in. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's the back injury. Maybe it's just his years and the higher level we're now at. Well, speaking to Tom Cohen on Twitter last night, he suggested that he thought maybe there weren't enough leaders in the side. And Richard Naylor, if you recall, when we interviewed him for issue one of the magazine um, last season, so it would have been in the summer of 2009, he identified that there was a lack of leaders throughout the side. And you have to ask, why hasn't this been addressed? Why is it still the case that we don't have enough leaders on the pitch? Is that it, was is... clear last night, I think. There was no one getting a grip on the game, yeah. geeing everybody up. McCormack did it when he came on late on. That we were trying to rally everybody around, but that was way too late. But you know, we haven't got Schmeichel. Does that? He's not afraid to give Naylor or Collins a bollocking. Um, but we haven't got a midfield player that needs. It needs to be someone in the midfield doing that. I think it, that falls down as well to, to becoming another thing that is hard to buy. It's hard to buy a leader because every mm. club wants midfield leaders, and I think that might lie behind giving um, Housen the vice captaincy last season. It's like. You could be you. You can be the one to step up and become a leader, and so because we can't get anybody mm. um, to to sign for us to do it, we're trying to promote it from within. Um, and sometimes it worked. I mean, if you look at, I was thinking, I was thinking about the same question last night actually, and I thought back to um, Beckford getting the captaincy on the last game of last season and how he immediately put in an exemplary captain's performance, including. Um, um, preventing Max Gradle from going to jail, and then um, <laughs> when um, when he was told in the second half to go and play left wing, mm. it was like a, a incredible, like un, unseen before Beckford discipline, where he almost yeah. went and just stood on the touchline for twenty minutes and did as much as possible. I think um, Housen may have got the vice captaincy and the occasional captaincy for the same reason that it might have the same effect. Maybe he's just too too nice, and they're all too nice. And is it? This the sort of uh, the fruit of our transfer policy, maybe, and and the fact that you know I, I, I'm growing more accustomed to the idea that we don't have a lot of money for whatever reason. We're not prepared to splash out and jeopardise the club. That's all fine and well, mm-hmm. um, but by the same token, it's frustrating when we're seeing players slip through our 
grasp, like you say, your Eustaces, um, Montgomery's of this world. Is this the fruit of our transfer policy? There's a fine line there with um, with Montgomery, especially because it sounded like. I mean, he. I mean, he was even on his Wikipedia page that he would do anything to come to, to Leeds United. And when it came down to it, it was all about money. So I would be inclined to tell uh, Montgomery to fuck off anyway, because um, you may be a leader for them, but he, it sounds like he's only a leader for a certain wage. Um, but in principle, yeah, it's the kind of player that that does cost a lot of money, and it's money that we're just not going to spend. So we'll just have to leave it all up to Johnny. Well, Bruce might be the one if he gets a game. Yeah, uh, he's got the experience. He came with good reports as well. I think we the previous actual money for him. <laughs> they said um, he was described as like um, Andy Hughes, but a better player. <laughs> so, which is what the kind of thing we need. I think that explains how Andy Hughes got a lot of games last year as well. Is the, the lack of leaders? There's one. And the, uh, the sort of psychological side of it seems to be coming to the fore, like we say, maybe a lack of leaders. Uh, McCormack came on and showed uh, bright sparks. I, I commented to you last night, Michael, I said that I fancied that if McCormack can display Specchio, we might not see Becchio much this season if we can get him out of the side because he looks like he's got the right sort of head on him. He's, he's got the right mental strength to maybe to cope with the expectations and uh, he's got the championship experience, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah Becchio's had a hard job this season, though. Running the line, mm. he's running socks off. He's got an goals. hour into every game. He's he's on his ass, isn't he? I think the other thing about this is uh, we're um, worried about their psychology in terms of grit and determination. We keep coming from behind and winning. Um, yeah, didn't last night it fell apart and they looked weak and terrible. But this season so far, they have actually showed a reasonable amount of grit. Becchio's been having a, a tough time but has responded by working really hard and getting two goals. So it's difficult to sort of say, Becchio's struggling so we need to drop him. Like, well, he's doing just enough. He's doing a job. Yeah. yeah. And and similarly with the whole team, it's like they haven't got the, the leaders, they haven't got the right psychology and yet they do keep coming from behind and, and, and winning. It might depend on what we do um, on Friday because if we go to, Bar- to um, Doncaster and it's another Barnsley Maybe they, uh, maybe it's it's gone for good, but it is another Barnsley. It's a shit hole. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried about Johnson and Becky halfway through the Swansea game, and then they both scored. Um, but up, up to that point, I was thinking neither of them were really getting any joy. Yeah. They both did look a little bit out of the depth. But then, obviously, they've kind of both popped up with goals, and Becchio's done it a couple of times this season. Now, if, um, if Grayson's thinking the same, we're looking to him to make changes, and yet if he's on the touchline thinking Johnson's not doing anything, Becchio's not doing anything, make a note, and then they both score. Is like, well, I can't actually really mm. tell them that they're not playing next week. Um, so it's maybe it's maybe we're hamstrung by having a, a squad of players who were just good enough. <laughs> If they were all shit, it'd be easy. <laughs> well, it's good, to, I guess, to have a, a big squad with players breathing down other players' necks, which sort of turns the question just quickly to... Um, <laughs> Is that a team building? <laughs> <laughs> to Sommer. Uh, and he came on and showed a few uh, bright sparks uh, in the Barnsley game, bit bit of movement and, and dynamism. Uh, he's obviously bagged himself a couple of goals. Is he going to be now pushing for for a spot, possibly even on Friday, or do you think Grayson maybe send out the same team to try and redeem itself? No, I think he'll play on Friday. Yeah, I don't see what mm. if he doesn't play him. I don't see what more he no. can do. He's come on. He's, he's barely he's played one full game, and then he's made two appear, two substitute appearances. He managed four goals. It's, I don't see what more Great. you can expect of a player. That's exactly really. what Grayson said last night after the game. He said mm. Summer did everything you could hope for from a substitute. Um, 
I think it'll. I think well, my preference would be get drop Gradle and try Becky on Summer because it was when they were both on last night when we scored, weren't they? Mm, maybe. No, I think so. I can't remember. <laughs> um, on the note of uh, Grayson's comments, he was less than favourable about uh, Bassoni. Obviously, Bassoni's been singled out, particularly online, for a hell of a lot of criticism, and I I have been party to that as well, because I think he was bloody awful, and how he's a professional footballer, I'm not sure, based on what we've seen so far at times this season. Um, Grayson saying that um, he was asked by Tom Kerwin, uh, was Bassoni injured? And he said, yeah, but he was coming off anyway. So, you know, that's not exactly a vote of confidence from the manager. So is that, could this be a curse-like moment from him where he finds himself out in the wilderness after a handful of games? I saw on um, Waco today someone commenting, actually, were those four years at Barcelona spent in the admin offices? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he was people were getting on his back from the start yesterday, which might be part of the problem, but he didn't do anything at all to show that he had, was going to uh, sort of pull it round. And Barnsley very quickly cottoned onto it, and every single attack just went down that side. Well, Swansea were doing it from the start, and he, they know him because he's been there for two years, and it was just attack Porgy. Every time I touch Porgy, Porgy and Bess, you see, just attack Porgy. <laughs> and um, and if, if it's going to be that week, we may as well stick anybody else there just so that they don't obviously know that that's so the weakness. So yeah, single him out. But yeah, it was, wasn't it? We commented um, yes. last night, we said every attack just went down that side, every single mm. one. It was their sole tactic was attack him and eventually they forced him into a mistake. And I will have to hold my hands up and say, at the moment when, um, was it, who was it that passed it back to him? It was Housen, wasn't it? Who passed it back to him? And the groan, a couple of groans went up from behind us and I sort of vocalised out loud. I thought, oh, give him a bloody chance. And then he promptly <laughs> gave it away and... You know, the rest well, is history. That and, might be part of it is that he's he's turned up. He said something about not being 100% fit, but now he's at the point where um, every other team is singling him out. All the crowd are singling him out. Um, I'm singling him out. Um, if I met him tomorrow, I'd, I'd single him out with some um, real peer pressure. Um, maybe force him to start smoking <laughs> against his will or something. Um, and the, uh, I think the only solution is just to um, is to get him out of the firing line. And um, It is worth mentioning that when he went off yesterday, it was one-all. Yeah. Um, and obviously the final result was a hell of a lot worse than that, so that doesn't necessarily say much for our options. Well, our only option there is Andy Hughes, isn't it? Cause Who came on yesterday and didn't really seem to help things so it's about as bad yeah it, it does beg a question what we actually are meant to do really well we'll speak more about the, the left back situation in, in a short while probably for balance it's worth saying post Barnsley that we don't need to panic too much uh, no. just because we've lost a, a game okay it was it was a bad defeat the manner was slightly alarming but we, we knew we were going to lose a few this season and I think on balance we'll probably be alright and the team does need a bit of time to gel I think the big problem with last night was that there was quite a lot of expectation in advance with there being a 7,000 um, away following going and it being the first sort of big Yorkshire derby of the season um, it, we wanted to win that assert our Yorkshire superiority and get on from there and maybe a 2-1 defeat wouldn't have been too bad but something about I mean something about the way it turned into 5 especially when it went from 3 to 5 um, in the space of 30 seconds it makes it extra painful and what makes it even worse is the fact that you can now go to Barnsley's <laughs> shop and you can buy a commemorative t-shirt a DVD a poster a DVD and poster bundle car stickers um, they've got a, I mean if Ken Bates has learned anything from um, from last night and he's already had his say on the official website but if he wants to pick up some hints 
go and buy Burnsley's commercial department because um, they seem to be able to crank out merchandise in very short order. <laughs> I can't imagine they had the other 5'2 t shirts designed in advance. <laughs> Twats. And can we possibly be disparaging about that after we did uh, a DVD release of, of the Scum game? But yeah, I, that's, 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 that's a league, this is a league game against yeah. a, team, a newly yeah. promoted team. I was going to sort of qualify it with that by saying we were two leagues below the Scum and, you know, it was the it's FA Cup. FA Cup third round, yeah. it's a big on, deal. On their own patch, but um, can we fault a club for making money? I know it's horribly tin pot, but... Well, yeah, not really, well, but... In the, in, to really go over to their side, um, their 5-2 T-shirts are considerably nicer than um, our official 1-0 T-shirts were. I thought those those ones were horrible, but quite like the design of the Barnsley ones. If you like them so much, will you be buying one? No. Let's catch up now, then, with the events that have been happening off the field uh, from Ellen Road in the last fortnight. Probably worth uh, tying up the club's transfer activity since we last uh, spoke to the dear listeners. Uh, Andy Fay, he of the uh, funny first name. It's easier to say Auntie. Auntie Fay. Auntie Fay, OK. We'll call him Auntie from now on, then. Yeah. Knock that one down. Uh, 33-year-old Senegalese player signed on a contract till January, joined by Ramon Nunes, who we spoke about before, also signed up uh, until January. Both of them played in that behind-closed-doors friendly against Middlesbrough, in which uh, Mikey Poundcamp Grilla scored two, didn't he? Nunes also bagged a goal, and both apparently impressed. Could be knocking on the door for Friday after the, uh, after the shambles at Barnsley. They've got to be worth a, worth a go after that. <laughs> Please um, be good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Faisal, he, offer, he does offer something different to um, you know the rest of our central midfielders. So, not can't say I've seen him play in the last two years. Uh, couple of years, really. But um, I mean, yep. he did. He was playing in the Premiership relatively recently. Yeah, at least we have um, seen him play at all. Yeah, exactly. There, there does seem to have been a worrying um, working assumption that Raymond Nunes is brilliant from everybody on the strength of one YouTube clip and him having a, a vaguely exotic name. Um, the, the calls to get him in are, are probably stronger than he. Than possibly we can possibly, well, bit of we can possibly know about. syndrome. Yeah, YouTube is a very dangerous thing. Of course, the other side of this is that neither of them work out, or maybe Faye picks up an- another injury, um, and in January we're left without two possible midfielders in the same, you know, League One midfield, and we we, we go looking again, and people turn us down, and we, you know, well, yeah, but I mean, is it a bit of an Armageddon scenario? Some, we'll sign it until January. Is not too bad, is it? It gives us. Some people have been accusing Grayson of stockpiling midfielders, so and then to say, well, we're not stockpiling them for long enough. <laughs> um, we can't have it always. I think it's perfect. I mean, if um, Anti Fay has to prove his um, fitness, and Raymond Nunes has to prove whether he's any good, so they got till January. If they do it, we keep them, and that's that's some good players. If they don't, they can follow Callum Davenport. I hear Wooden Blue Cross. Or, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, Davenport is just to sort of tie up what we mentioned on the last podcast because we weren't quite sure what was going on there. Um, he's returned to London uh, and he has signed for Wooden Blue Cross. Is that is that the tenth tier of English football? You looked you, into it, didn't you? I did. I well, I, I googled it. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's the tenth tier of, of English football, and I think maybe that story serves as a warning with Faye and Nunes because people were asking. Don't get it. stabbed in the legs. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that's a motto I live my life by. <laughs> I've played football with people who've played in the tenth tier of English football, well, and I'm terrible. So that well, that's really not a good reflection. People of the, were 
saying that Davenport's oh, Davenport's got to be knocking on the door of the first team. If Naylor's not cutting it, why doesn't Davenport get in? And then three days later... Possibly he's... not the best turn of phrase you just used then. <laughs> cutting it. Cutting it, no. <laughs> Is he going to be followed around forever by this knife-wielding episode? <laughs> in this in this podcast, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, he, yeah, he, Grayson's given him a, an open-ended invitation to train with the club, didn't he? But um, he chose to go back. Well, he, he, said... he didn't want to play reserve team football... Um, I, I can't imagine that our reserve team will be a lower standard or, or, or worse for him than playing for Wotton Blue Cross. I think the other aspect is Wotton Blue Cross is around the corner from his house, and he did say he had some family issues to deal with while he was back down there, which I, don't I, know, I can imagine. Maybe, maybe yeah. he is planning to get stabbed in the legs again. Maybe it's on his list of his to-do list, his bucket list. So yeah, we'll watch that one. I guess we'll we'll keep. Uh via Simon Grayson we'll keep an eye on it and, and, you're not going to get a season ticket for Wooten Blue Cross <laughs> yeah so Ross McCormack signed up as we uh, as we mentioned in the opening section of the podcast only glimpses of him so far and we mentioned he seems to have a bit of quality it seems to stick well with him he's got a nice turn of pace uh, what, what do we think of him so far how do we assess him today he looks good I was impressed the fact that he came on as a sub against Swansea and he took that free kick straight away yeah he was desperate to score wasn't he oh just a little bit yeah which would have been nice. I've not seen much of him yet, so I have some questions. Is he short? He is quite short. Is he is he Scottish? <laughs> he is Scottish. And is he desperate to score? <laughs> it's not Paul Dickov. Well, I was going to say, we sure we don't just <laughs> sign Paul Dickov in disguise. Maybe this explains the Dickov transfer. Is that this this is what Grayson wanted all along? Is somebody short, Scottish, and desperate to score? And he's got his man now. Moving on, um, Jason Brown signed on uh, the emergency loan uh, due to Casper's foot injury. Twenty-eight years old, uh, coming from Blackburn. Do He'll we, never play. It, do we care? care? Yes. Move on. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasted those few seconds of our lives. <laughs> Mine um, must be really chuffed that we've got somebody else in. Yeah. Ships him out to uh, where's he gone? Barrow. Barrow. Returning to that behind closed doors friendly against Middlesbrough, um, Snoddy and Painter played in that game. Now pushing for a return to the first team squad, showing better fitness. Please um, come back, Snoddy. Yes, we, and I, I think Painter's stock has probably risen a little bit despite him not having played. Well, I've been looking at the uh, the general meltdown across the forums today, and people have been sort of posting their strongest 11s and most of them have included Painter and Snodgrass well not most that's probably an exaggeration a fair number anyway have included Painter, Snodgrass and also Fai and Nunes <laughs> just in the, in the whole get rid of uh, get rid of the entire team Clayton's been in a couple so, sort of voice of reason said why have you put these players in on, on what basis have you ever seen them play And um, <laughs> they're not yeah. what's in there at the minute yeah. Yeah. but yeah there is just a, a Tendency after a defeat like that to just want to sweep the whole lot clean. I would drag Robert Snodgrass onto the pitch myself um, if he was shown if necessary. I don't know why. You might have to. He always looks very, very (laughs) tired. (laughs) Yeah, I'd slap him awake and put him back in. Um, But yeah, I'd really like Snodgrass to be back because the pre-season word was he was looking really good. Mind you, said that about Max Gradle. But um, Gradle has been good. Be fair to him. You know, he's, Mm. he's been all right. Often runs down blind alleys and makes bad decisions, but he's I did feel I yeah. felt a bit sorry for him yesterday because he kept receiving the ball with three players around him and no one to pass to. I know it's the same thing against Swansea. Yeah. There was so I don't know, up on him yeah. every time. Yeah, I don't really know what he was meant to be doing with it because he, he just tried clipping it into Becchio all the time. But then even when Becchio won it, there was no one there to collect the ball off him, so mm. he just everything broke down. I withdraw my criticism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other news then away from the the first team squad. 
Uh, it'd be nice to see the East stand up at Open for the Sheffield United match that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, tickets priced at a bargain, £34 for adults and even better, £24 for under 16. So if you've got yourself a toddler, it'll only take... Uh, 24 quid to take your toddler uh, what, what do we th- what do we make of that pricing policy is it I think that's too much money <laughs> I, I would agree a little I bit expensive I think that's too much money to, to have to, to pay for a football ticket wasn't the East Standard Pro always priced in line with the South Standard Co? Well, it wasn't, I think, until they caught on to the fact that for the big matches they can sell it and it will make more money. Yeah. So I, I don't really I have a problem. Will for that. I don't really have a problem with them making money, but I think perhaps we touched on it last season that the top end prices for the top games uh, for the, the the premium seats, be it the West Stand, mm. um, East Stand, Lower Middle, and yeah. the East Stand Upper, are so disparate to the ends. You know, they're so far yeah. away, aren't they? It's like mm. is it like an eight quid difference or something yeah. like that? If you get a seat on the overhang. In the middle, you've got a decent seat. If you're yeah. Rose Ed at mm. one of the corners, that's not quite the well, same. Well, at Wembley, they divide the, the seats up, don't they, Like oh, yeah. um, in terms of pricing category? So why don't they do that at Ellen Road? You know? But they don't do that in the West Stand, do they? That's one price right across, yeah. whereas the East Stand is cheap well, at the end. Well, this is down to Ken Bates, I think. I'm sure I've read or heard him, and I'm, I'm desperately hoping to have, so he didn't sue us, um, <laughs> saying that he's not prepared to discount more than 15% of the ground's capacity, you know, offer concessions on mm. 15% of it, but... Is it not short-sighted for the future well, generations of Leeds fans? It's not just. I think the other problem is that, like three days after that, we play Preston, and I think the crowd for that is going to be low, and people are going to have a go at the people who paid thirty-four quid for a ticket for the Sheffield United game, saying they only go to a big game. But the the pricing has got to the point now where you have to. People make choices, more. don't they? Yeah. And if you're going to choose, you're going to choose the big game and save up for it, rather than maybe getting two um, less enticing games in, um, because you can't afford them all, and because you know that nobody else can afford to go to see Preston because they've all paid for Sheffield United, and you know it's going to be dead and no fun. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy that people can't afford to go to the to the, the middle of the road games anymore. Um, so they just save up for the big games and the big games become more difficult to get into because there's more demand so the prices for them get up and the prices for the middle of the road games aren't going to go down because it's Ken Bates is in charge and the attendances for them just get lower and lower I'm in that position of um, having to buy my tickets on a match by match basis and realising with Sheffield United coming up I'm now looking thinking well can I afford that because I've been to Barnsley, went to the Swansea Gate, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like I'm looking and thinking, well, can I afford that? I justify it's it in another couple of weeks. I really want to go, but it's a lot of money to ask. Have Sheffield United got the South Stand? Uh, I'm presuming that they will have at least half, half of that, I would imagine. Because it's 3,000 we've got. Because that's the other problem is that then that's half of the cheap tickets gone. So then you're left with the cop and a fragment of mm. the South Stand left for cheap tickets. So quite often home fans there end up with about six, 7,000 tickets at the lower price and everybody else then pays a fortune for it. Mm. Which the, is, uh, that's the thing that we're not... That Ken Bates doesn't follow. Is Nobody's asking for handouts. It's not like I'm wanting a, a complimentary ticket for the best seats in the ground. I just want to be able to get in for a decent price. Mm. I don't think asking to pay 28 quid to sit in the upper tier is that unreasonable, really. It's just that pushing it over the 30 mark just does feel a bit like and you get into the, the mid 30s. And, and should you want to take a kid with you of any description, yeah. and 24 quid's a disgrace, isn't it? Yeah. Like you say, if, if it's a 15 year old, maybe they're going to get 24 quid of entertainment out of it. Yeah. But if you're taking a nine year old, mm. they're going to sit eating sweets. Well, you have and to buy five bags of Haribo to keep them busy, <laughs> wouldn't you, for a couple of hours? Oh, a bit like keeping you busy. Mentioned in Haribo, just thank you to the man that brought me some Haribo whilst I was selling on. Uh, 
selling on the weekend because he'd, <laughs> he'd heard the mention to it on the podcast and uh, I, I didn't heed the warnings about taking sweets yeah, from strangers. You shouldn't <laughs> take sweets from strangers. But I was, I was very appreciative of that. So bring me more. <laughs> Um, also, Sheffield United game will see the brand new pavilion, or as I like to term it, the warehouse, because it looks like one of you have passed it on the uh, on the M621. It's open for the Sheffield United game. They've obviously spent a bit of cash on, on getting that sorted out. And this new policy of... Um, and it's, it's like an old nightclub policy, isn't it? Charge an entry fee and give away a free drink. £3 entry fee and you get a free, in quotes, drink... Um, what do we think of that? My first thought was it was going to be it was might be Ken's way of bypassing putting duty on beer because <laughs> he, he can declare a free a free pint as uh, only being worth five pence. I trust that you dismissed that thought immediately. I did, yeah. I thought it wouldn't be like Ken to try and avoid paying anything. Taxes. No, of course not. That'd be ridiculous. Um, again, it's, it's a fine line between. You know, it's, it's a money making business. Let's not you know dress it up any other way. You know, we spend our money and it. And it means that we can get players etc etc or not um, but it just feels just a little bit yeah on cheeky. one level it makes sense and it'll probably reduce queues at the bar because I presume you'll go in and you'll get some kind of voucher so from that point of view it makes sense but then you could do that anyway want, if you just want to get a glass of coke and you, have, you effectively pay three quid for it and then it just I just won't be going that's how I'm going <laughs> to combat this chance they could do if, it, if it's about reducing queues at the bar they could just they could just sell vouchers in a different part of the room and then you or go put the more bar. stuff on behind the bar don't, 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 don't let's build go a, crazy <laughs> build a bigger bar in your bigger facility well that yes that's the other put aspect. more bars in uh, and I think the but what do we know the thing with it is, is, is if it is a money making scheme which it seems weird to be charging people three quid and then giving them something that's worth three quid back if you're not trying to make a bit of money out of it it's gouging like 20 pence and that's it it's is, it, well, is it a case then though of, of Sort of surreptitiously wheedling out the people who are not going in to drink and not going to spend money. Well, it's, it's, it's trying to sort of gently usher in the beer drinkers, and you know, because it's more inclined, you know, you're going to be more inclined to have a pint, aren't you, or something at three is, quid. And except when you're not allowed to enter a sporting arena drunk, so they shouldn't really be doing that. Are they going to get to the point where they go around and if if you haven't got a beer in your hand, they, they round them up and march them out? <laughs> it's just if people want to go in there and just stand there. Why can't they? The next step's the thought police, isn't it? We spoke last time out then about super. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Superstitions, that was in podcast 13 and we sort of dismissed it um, as all, you know, a lot of bunkum. But after Bassoni's antics, uh, well, last night in particular, but, uh, you know, since the start of the season, really, um, we're starting to believe that maybe we're cursed with the whole left back situation, and we can't get a good left back for love nor money. It, it's a thing that began with Howard Wilkinson, as so many brilliant things did, or at least he was perhaps the first to point it out because he had a, a big problem for a, a couple of seasons where he tried Jim Beglin, who I think broke his leg immediately. Almost out of spite. I think I already recovered from a broken leg and then he just got injured again. Anyway, he was cropped immediately. Mike Whitlow, who um, Wilkinson uh, famously described as like a racing car going into turbo, <laughs> um, he got badly injured. Peter Haddock, um, his career was en- ended when um, Howard moved him from centre back to left back and he immediately got um, a terrible ligament injury at Sunderland. Um, Glyn Snowden had the mumps. I seem to remember that kept him out for a long time. Was it the mumps or was Blangular it fever. Blangular fever? fever yeah. I don't know. Anyone I've never had a, I've never had a venereal disease, so I'm not <laughs> sure about the. Um, and, and neither has Glinston. <laughs> <laughs> Just for legal reasons. Oh, yeah. Just thinking that through because he's living uh, around here. Uh, Libel. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, dig yourself out of this hole and get back on topic. Well, what dug us out the whole <laughs> hole was um, Tony Dorigo, who like a. a an Australian angel arriving from uh, Aston Villa. Australia? Chelsea? Uh, Chelsea, after Aston Villa. Um, <laughs> solved all our problems and uh, immediately won us the league single-handed. He was, um, he was a beautiful footballer. Mm. He taught Cantona everything he knew. And he, I mean, he was actually, joking aside, he was a, a magnificent, cool player. It's like If you look at Bissoni and the way he sort of... Um, chosen to sort of lie on the floor and cry every time somebody's run at him that you'd never even see a flap from uh, Dorigo it's just like a it's almost like he was playing a saxophone solo <laughs> while running up the wing with the ball um, and well, he, he was very smooth wasn't he? He was incredibly fullback. Incredibly smooth. <laughs> no no surprise he ended up at, um, playing in Italian football because I think he, he was um, made for it um, If only by surname And style we did dispose of Dirigo a bit early as well, didn't we, really? Um, in favour of, as we'll come on to, people who were clearly a lot worse. Just going back to Wilkinson, you didn't quite mention the one who perhaps stood out above all, which was Nigel Worthington. Um, which I but think he never got I think, injured. Well, I think that's when we realised that his Sheffield mania had got out of control when he bought uh, when he bought Worthington, or as me and my dad uh, termed him, the fossil. Yeah, I think the um, the curse with Worthington was reversed because he never did get injured, so he just kept playing. Well, and I mean the, the thing with that was that Wilkinson started playing him on the left wing. Which I don't think. Um, <laughs> he wasn't actually is. as old as he looked, though, was he? No. Despite the fact, because he's not aged since either, has he? Really? Like you look at him now, and I, that's exactly how I remember him in a Leeds shirt. And it's worth pointing out that at that point, um, when he came to Leeds, Wilkinson had signed him for every club he played. He, he managed. Yeah. He always got Wilkin uh, Worthington. He always brought him in at some point. It took him a while at Leeds. Thought you know we had Dorigo and we thought everything's fine, and then he just decided just sneak him in at the last minute. But yeah, so Wilk- and so Wilkinson, I remember distinctly him talking about um, his left back curse, and um, and he, it seems to be I don't know if Howard Wilkinson is a gypsy, 
But um, if he if he cursed us, we seem to still have it. Because what have we had since? Does anybody have a comprehensive list? Such a thing would be really useful at this time. Not exactly comprehensive. We've got I've got seven one. Uncomprehensive. Um, <laughs> I've got one from um, well, a recent one from um, Andrew Haig on Twitter, which is left back since Grayson. Uh, Bassone, Hughes, Johnson, White, Parker, Capaldi, Lowry, Dickinson, Sheehan. Wow. <laughs> I mean, the be- the better ones on there really are the ones who aren't properly left backs. People like Johnson and Hughes have done kind of all right, but they're not they're not actually left backs. So if you look at Parker, who um, was decent, I think Parker's a perfectly capable left back. Injured, injured, <laughs> yep. Forever and, um, injured, yeah. And Ad White, who's looking uh, like a really good prospect, playing left back, got injured. Suddenly wants to be a left winger. Sort of. I think a, that's Grayson's choice. I don't. I don't think he. He seems to quite like large. Sturdy fullbacks does uh, uh, does Grayson. Uh, maybe Grayson said to him, "If you carry on at left back, I will injure you." <laughs> maybe it's part of his motivation. Play on the left wing, otherwise I'll break your legs. The real poster Rigo in the deer was David fucking Roberts. He was really bad, actually. Because we, we put place to Rigo. Well, yeah, we put this out to Twitter, didn't we? Um, a little bit earlier on today, we've uh, overwhelmed by the response because <laughs> we must have had such a sea of bad fullbacks. Um, and as Tom Kerwin of Yorkshire Radio fame pointed out, and I never realised this, we had David Robertson for four years, and that included yeah. the Champions League run as well. I never realised he was knocking about at that time. Yeah, we'd very much mm. discarded him. I think he was injured, and then we kind of sort of felt sorry for him, so we had to keep treating him <laughs> rather than just just <laughs> releasing him, rather than putting him down the streets of Leeds. <laughs> Do you remember who we signed to try and replace him? Because George Graham didn't think Ian Hart was good enough. Perhaps in retrospect, he, he, he Martin Hayden. No, he played there a few times. He, did. he was more of a right back, wasn't he? Hayden. Yeah, he filled yeah. in across the whole lot at one and at he was on points. Right. But you, you got to think more of um, Arkwright's stores. <laughs> Danny Granville, G- 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 Granville, of yeah. course. Yeah, one point six million pounds we spent on Danny Granville to replace David Roberts. <laughs> so it's Ken Bates' fault technically for fleecing out <laughs> of that mm. money. I think, well, we haven't even and money. <laughs> <laughs> Many people uh, sort of identified uh, Stephen Craney as a bit of something of a nadir as well, but this is now Premier League Stephen Craney, who I thought <laughs> conducted himself very well against Theo Walcott a couple of weeks back. Well, by just staying out of his way, <laughs> the safest option. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a, a particularly bad. Maybe we've, we've got it in our heads now after we saw Dorigo being so good that no one's ever going to be as good as he is. We, was. We, we're maybe at the point where. Th- Almost, if you remember Dorigo, you're almost an old timer now. Yeah. It's, oh God! Um, it's Ian Hart is probably the the high water mark that most people remember. Well, Hart was all right. He was good on the free kicks, but then yeah. he, you know it was when players that you know sort of left him exposed. Like I mean, Kewell as well in front of him didn't offer much in the way of protection, did he? Let's blame Kewell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kewell yeah. even started as a left back, and he he just sank Hart constantly. And Hart did, even defensively, Hart was all right for the first couple of seasons because I don't think anybody had worked out how slow he was, so they kind of left him alone. He got in the, the Premiership Team of the Year one year, didn't he? Free kicks. Mainly due to his free kicks, yeah. but... Yeah, he can't have been all bad because we weren't... He scored again at the weekend, didn't he, for Reading? To get a pen? It was a penalty, yeah, yeah. and he, after their other their main penalty taker took the first and scored... Mm. And then Hart took the second and scored, which is... Must be part of his contracts. I have to take at least yeah. one penalty. It's that goal, <laughs> the all-important goal bonus, isn't it? Yeah. It's unbelievable around that time we never 
try to buy a left back because mm. given we we bought Mills and so Mills and Kelly, then we spent obviously a huge amount on Ferdinand. We spent four and a half million on Jubri. Join after what's the yeah, John John Arisa. Arisa. yeah and then we, I think we almost had reason, that tied up and he fucked us off. Well, we drew a line to say we're not going to pay him anymore, and then <laughs> months after signed <laughs> Seth Johnson and, and Robbie Fowler, which was just one of those things buying players in positions we really didn't need, and then we'd uh, we were left with Hart and who was his understudy. Mm. Can anyone remember? Well, I think we used to switch Kelly to left back quite often did, and play Mills at right back. Yeah, O'Leary used to like to play three centre backs and then just kind of not bother if. I had Matteo filled in there quite yeah, yeah towards yeah. the end, didn't he? But and he was capable, but obviously was he sort of had his best days at Leeds as centre half, didn't he? Yeah. Mm. One that I'd um, completely forgotten about actually from Twitter, um, Gigi Barlow. My favourite left back was Alan Wright, although <laughs> although he had little impact. <laughs> but yeah, one I'd completely forgotten about actually. I think yeah, he, he only played one game, didn't he? Didn't he? Yeah, it certainly wasn't more than a couple. And you could easily forget about him because I think at, at maximum he's about three foot, so you might miss him. <laughs> I'd even forgotten about a couple of the ones from last year, like uh, Capaldi had completely slipped my mind as well until I started looking at it in a bit more um, a bit more detail. There was one I'd forgotten from Callum Bramley on Twitter as well. He said, uh, Robbie Elliott, no real standout memories, but he provided Gregan some competition for rear of the year 2007. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the era when we were going through just loads of players. I'd, I'd completely forgotten about Alan Wright as well, and I mean, that, that frightens me that he played for us at all. LU <laughs> uh, Americas has come up with a good idea. He's picked um, good left backs as Top Cat Cooper, Trevor Cherry. And Tony Dorigo. So maybe we should only have left backs but with a. Uh, Beginning with a letter T. Beginning with a T. Even Terry Cooper um, broke his leg really badly mm. um, at one point. And just as an aside on that, you know, everyone complaining about um, this woman throwing a cat in the bin. <laughs> Top Cat was never particularly <laughs> concerned about that. <laughs> but living in a bin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he, he loved it, so I don't know what. Um, any, anywho, um, and one that um, Elio Americas again actually, coincidentally said uh, Mickey Gray. If we're going into the the few good ones we've had in recent times, was absolutely class for us both times. Proper professional when we desperately needed one. I think when we first mooted this idea, I, I picked. Michael Gray's name out as a I was really annoyed when he didn't sign permanently and he wanted he, to as well didn't he yeah it would have been um, I mean is he still playing he's not stopped long since because he went to Sheffield Wednesday after um, I think his career is certainly on the on the wane but we would have got at least a good season or two out of him yeah you know? and at the time we had him he was he it was just like he was like having a proper professional footballer um, <laughs> at a time when uh, at a time when, well, for example, we um, the Vinmeister points out Kilgallen at left back at the Millennium oh, Stadium. That was awful. Proof if it was ever needed that Kevin Blackwell belongs in a straight jacket. <laughs> One, just going back to Mickey Gray, I was equally disappointed when we didn't sign Dickinson, and we spoke last night about this, didn't we, uh, Michael? And we said uh, it's such a shame we didn't get him because he was just hard and mental, which is, it seems to be, play, you know. Grayson likes these sorts of players. I love the fact he was really angry. I remember being at, at Walsall and he got in a bit of a altercation with one of their players, and he just yelled in the in the man's face, and you could see that you could see the terror in his eyes. And I, I was a bit scared at the back of the stand, but um, he was just what we needed. I thought at the time he was, um, yeah, he was part of that solid defence towards the end of the year when when we first brought in Naylor as well. But we've never quite um, well. Hughes did a very good job last year, I thought, but he's not a, by any stretch a left back, is he? He cuts inside on his right foot all the time. Not to forget Shane Lowry as well. Oh. He's been picked up on by a few people on Twitter, hasn't he? Yeah. God, he was bloody awful. I can't help but think when you look through the list that 
we've probably only got ourselves to blame because the one uniting factor about all of them is that they were either cheap or free. Or on loan. Or on loan. So if you pay peanuts. Mm-hmm. And just remember that the, the good ones we had sort of pre the modern era, Dennis Irwin, he was all right at left back. Was Dennis Owen a left back or a right he was, back? He was left back. Okay. Yeah, started as left back, didn't he? Feelin as well. Who had a I good was about to say, decent years at Manchester. Terry Feelin ended up being really good, but we sold him to the Manchester clubs. Regrets. And then, oh yeah, because we we got rid. Of, we ended up with Eddie Eddie Gray playing left back. I don't know if he give him a goal. But this is again another aside that's nothing to do with this. But I, I had to listen to the Barnsley game on Radio Bates last night. Eddie, next time you're commentating on um, Andy Gray, don't keep calling him. Your nephew. He kept saying, "Oh, I thought that was a good chance, the boy. My nephew could have scored there." Was, oh, this is five-one down. It's, I think my nephew's got a good chance. At you should apply the uh, the rule that they have for teachers in schools that if your child is being taught by you, that you have to call them Mister or Mrs. Santo, not Mum and Dad in the classroom. Mister Gray. Yes, yeah, so reverse it. You should have to. You should have to call him. Should we call your teacher Mum anyway, just by accident? Oh, it was awful. <laughs> it's oh. one of the lowest points of my school life. I think. <laughs> Particularly because it was a male teacher. That's not and true. He, and he'd ask you to say it to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, going back to Eddie Gray, actually, um, this is something I've read a report of on the forums today. Um, he reckoned that Bassoni was pretending to be injured so he'd get taken off. Yes, which, he was uh, doubtful. He which was... I w- it wouldn't be surprised if he's, if that is the case, if that might be why Grayson sent him out for the second half and then brought him off because he was doing it as in, look, you're not injured, get mm. out there and play. Yeah, Gray did... I don't think he said it in so many words, but he was... He's, he was surprised to see him come out, and then I remember when he he started just sort of one, walking around holding his head. There was a lot of kind of ah, mm, ah noises coming, and either he was getting um, was he implying a blowjob or uh, <laughs> was he was he implying that he didn't fancy it? Because that's worry. It's a worrying sign if a player's only played six games for your club and he's not fancying the game. We have yelled at him for uh, probably eighty-five minutes of at least five <laughs> of those games. Um, so I think I don't think it's necessarily a sign of. Uh, Mental weakness. I think it's a sign that he um, he knows the gig is up. Um, if anything, and uh, it was a horrible night. To be fair, we were we were sort of towards the middle back of the stand, and we were still getting wet somehow. It was a, <laughs> it was a horrible howling, special, uh, special kind of rain in Barnes. Howling like the rain in Oldham. <laughs> yeah, I think the only person who wanted to get out of there more than him probably was the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Any significant others then from Twitter? Dishonourable mention to Didier Domi. From the 03 or 04 season. Oh, um, yeah. Absolutely gash, says Ryan on the UFC. <laughs> Did we have another left back that season? Who else played left back? Alembe filled in yeah, a few it. times. Salomon he was kind of a defensive midfielder stroke. Yeah. Left he was back. quite good, actually. He wasn't, wasn't too bad, mm. yeah. No, he, he played his better games in midfield, really. Raul Bravo. Oh, oh, yes. Cockerama. <laughs> <laughs> How could we forget Raul Bravo? Madrid. <laughs> yeah. That was like. Played um, for Spain as well. Well, it was the same um, era of uh, Roque Jr. when they turned up. Oh, brilliant pedigree. Hmm. This, and Bravo. Oh, he's come from that Real wasn't Madrid. Was that brought um, Bravo in? I think. Um, Spanish connections. Yeah. And we just assumed that he'd be good because he played for Real Madrid. Did we stick Teddy Lukic at left back a few occasions, or did we keep him in the middle? Because that's another Leeds United thing of just signing a centre back and then just uh, moving him out. Yeah, we just want you to play a little bit more on the left. <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going. I'm sure I can stop when you see the white line. I'm sure I can remember his um, his bald head just bouncing off the uh, the touchline. What must it be like to to have a, a ticket in the the lower East North? 
all the lower west south and having to had a close up of all this nonsense <laughs> for the last 20 years you'd, you'd get your ticket moved and certainly putting a David Robertson on that side when the family stand was there was almost almost irresponsible of Leeds United SC I'm surprised that there's probably still class action lawsuits pending Can I ask what you're implying there? I'm implying that making small children watch David Robertson crawl along the touchline and then just put the ball... I mean, he probably hit more kids with his um, balls down the line than he, than he ever did hitting... <laughs> <laughs> when I say his ball, Stop. I'm not referring to his testicles. Right then, let's turn our attention now to what's coming up in the next couple of weeks before we speak to the people next. Uh, a couple of games coming up. Uh, this Friday, Doncaster versus Leeds United, live on Sky. Um, could be awful, might be alright, we don't know. Uh, followed a week and a bit later by the home game against Sheffield United. So two South Yorkshire teams, hot on the heels of the, of the Barnsley match. We don't win Yorkshire derbies, will we win these? I'm not optimistic for Friday. No, nor am I. No. I think a nation may see our shame. Well, the nation that stays in on a Friday night to watch second division football. Um, if 5-2 was bad last night, then um, seeing that um, our fellow promotionees, Norwich, had been beaten 3-1 by Doncaster, um, didn't help, didn't help put a... There's no, there's no sunshine in my life, is what I'm trying to say. Coppinger got a hat-trick as well, didn't he? Who is he? I've never heard of him. Did he score in the playoff final with Coppinger? I can't remember it. I've just tried to blank it out, to be honest. I I, I, I'm not interested. Um, but yes, he did score a, a hat-trick in then. But that's their, only, that's their only decent... Well, I suppose they beat Hull. And they did beat Preston. They're a bit good, the fourth. Is there an argument to say that we might cope a little bit better because they're a footballing team? It's the teams that do pass it about a bit and can play football with struggle. Do you think? I mean, we need to play bad teams. Yeah. Yeah. Bad teams yeah. who can't play football. Dif- different styles of good won't help us. <laughs> if it's going to be a, if it's going to be a, who can be most like Barcelona competition on Friday? I suspect Doncaster will probably win. Well, don't um, forget Bassoni's played there, so we've got a, got a head start. But if we can stick Anti Fay in, we'll be playing can, Doncaster. Uh, let's hope no. <laughs> if Anti Fay can play and catch up with any of them long enough to break their legs, then. Um, <laughs> Then that might give us a fighting chance, but um, yeah, if it turns into um, yeah, I've, got, I've just got bad visions of them just playing triangles around us in midfield and then and then Naylor falling over. And, I, I, uh, my worry, I think, is that we bring say Faye in and maybe someone else in the midfield, and we still lose. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth. I think two in a row. Would, well, it depends on the nature of the loss. I think if we'd um, if we'd only lost. 2-1 last night or something it might not have felt so bad another five against would not be helpful the depressing thing last night was that it actually could have been more during that second half once they'd got the second every every attack they looked like scoring really we just kept looking at each other sort of a bit incredulous didn't we like, oh, it was when... just painful every, every, every time they were pouring forward we seemed to be outnumbered at the back and when the defenders did get near it they were missing it and um, I mean, all backing off. It might yeah. be an entirely different team that we see turn out against um, Doncaster, both in terms of performance and personnel. Because I, I think it's a given that Bassone is gone. I think he'll probably bring, <laughs> not not for good necessarily. Best gone. <laughs> yeah, for good. Sod I it. think Nail will probably be out as well. Um, Do you think? I think he, he may drop Collins. 
that'd be really harsh because I yeah. think Collins has done it's been probably the best of our defenders so far this um, this season I think going into what by best you mean best of a bad bunch <laughs> I think linking back to what I said before about um, Naylor's bad form having been mentioned in the press by Grayson whereas he's not said anything about Collins uh, I know there's this perception that Naylor's un- undroppable because he's the captain, but I've never—I don't see it that way. I think he's—I think he's—he's—he's he's, he's the captain because of what he does off the field as much as um, what he does on it. I think who else is Max Gradle going to pour his heart out to? Um, I was interested on the um, official site that had a Q and A with Richard Naylor a couple of weeks ago, and he was asked whether he ever reads uh, fans forum or internet sites, and he said no. And he advises the younger players not to look because there could be things on there that'll. Upset them. It's like yeah. us with our iTunes reviews. Don't do it. <laughs> no, they've all been very kind. But so, so I think um, I think Naylor is very droppable, um, even if Grayson does appear to love him more than um, than awesome. most people. But um, is so. it is this a possibly a big test of Grayson's bottle? Then that is it dropping the undroppable ones, and if he perhaps doesn't and doesn't make a bold statement with the team on Friday, that he's showing. Some real weaknesses in his. It depends. Then, yeah. then if we win, it shows people reflect upon that as a strength. If we actually manage to beat them with a similar team, because it'll it'll show that he's putting well, faith in the players. Well, he's able to, to motivate the players. Yeah, we did it before with Beckford. He was strong enough to drop him. Yeah, and and that whole um, the running last year, I, I don't get the perception that he, he he dodges these things. I think maybe he leaves it too long that he gives people too much of a chance. But the, the end of last season, he dropped Beckford, and then. Um, if you remember, do you remember how you felt when you got to the, the ground on the last day against Bristol and you saw the team? Nobody predicted Beckford as captain. Nobody thought Snodgrass was going to be dropped because um, he was our best player, but he was out of form and he, he took the decision. Um, I'm leaving you out for the good of the team. And so he has done these things before. So I don't necessarily think it's a, it's a massive test on that. On that score, and he has he did lay the foundations in his post-match interview yesterday, saying that none of the team from tonight could complain if they were dropped. Yeah, and he said that the, the players who were who could be pleased were well, not pleased. I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said the players at Thorpe Arch and on the bench have had a good night. Essentially, he said that they. Andy Robinson all... was in Tiger Tiger till. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't. He might have been. I don't know. <laughs> so, so yeah, he laid the foundations to to prepare us for a few changes, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him. Turning our attention to Sheffield United, then another Yorkshire derby, as we say, with the added Gary Speed factor. Obviously, he's now in charge at Bramall Lane. What's going on with Sheffield United? It's hard to gauge, isn't it? Because um, they had as bad a result as us they yesterday, thumped, didn't they? The... Thumped at home by Scunthorpe. Arguably worse result, actually. But um, yeah, that gives me a bit of hope that they also <laughs> seem to be, uh, be struggling. Well, I was quite looking forward to having Blackwell back, and um, and get, we, we're getting something better. So, so it should be yeah, yeah you know, uh, north of thirty thousand in the in the stadium. We're hoping, despite the prices, um, good atmosphere. I know we sometimes struggle under the ex- expectation at home, but no, we should be. I mean, they even lost to Middlesbrough. We should we should be able to beat this lot. Uh-huh. I think I said something along the same lines about. Um, did I describe Barnsley as just a bunch of no marks? Um, but yeah, Sheffield are, you know, are awful this season. So, and then um, Speed won't have time to turn it round before next Saturday. That's a brave assumption. <laughs> it's a brave statement. <laughs> I'm a two, brave. Two man. losses then. <laughs> Come on, can anyone really see us losing there? Sheffield United. Yes. Yeah. 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 Really. Yeah. Yeah. 
I could see us. They lost to Hartlepool. I can see us beating anybody in this division, and I can also see us losing to anybody yeah. in this division. I suppose it's they did beat Derby last League One yeah. last year. I think. Well, yeah, I suppose. Like, but then at the same time, we're we're making quite a big fuss about could describe as a freak result against Barnsley for us last night. But was it a, was it a freak result? Because we've been inviting something like this for weeks now, I think. Well, so the one times we there against Swansea, we we could have been 3-0 down in that game because shortly after um, the goal, they were through on goal, Higgs tipped tip one around the post. Hmm. It, it could have very quickly slid into... Um, a similar result to last night but we, as it was we kind of rode our luck a bit um, and then turned the performance round by the end of the game but you can see that there was there was a tipping point in the middle where we, we just managed to, to pull it round well, Although I didn't see the games I refused to believe that Sheffield United's 1-0 wins against Preston and Derby were comfortable swashbuckling all action performances that then suddenly turned into a 4-0 defeat to Scunthorpe I get the impression that Sheffield United are shitter than we are <laughs> <laughs> no matter what what those uh, those wins may suggest is, the, is there a danger that we could get out scrapped though depending on what our midfield's like I mean I, I can't see in two games time that we're going to have the same personnel on the field as we did against Barnsley I, it, it can't happen because if, if he sticks the same side out against Doncaster and we lose again he's mm. got to make changes then they've had the yeah, chance yeah. and then their chance and then their chance um, changes have to happen for that game surely I think you're right it's just for the derby games we've got to be up for the battle um, we weren't there last night I'm we're, sure from what after his post-match interview is. Grayson was obviously annoyed that the team had not done what they'd been told to do and I think that's what upset him more than the result overall. I think what's keeping me reasonably optimistic is that um, we thought Millwall was going to be a battle and we won. Hmm. And um, and when it comes to last night, none of the players did what they were supposed to but they've actually been quite good at that so far this season at following orders. I mean, we sorted out the first 20 minutes at Forest when we were getting absolutely hammered it got sorted out and and we uh, we changed the game so again it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the psychology I don't think they're quite as as weak minded as um, as last night suggested however I do think Sheffield United are as weak minded as um, <laughs> as I've decided so. <laughs> and there's the brilliance of analysis hey sorry did you think were you expecting analysis <laughs> I was really just talking <laughs> So, uh, yeah, nothing to worry about just yet. Let's not press the panic button, shall we? No, we said this had happened. We said we'd go on bad runs and you know, lose games, but as it is, we're ninth, I think, which is fine. I'd be quite, I'm quite happy with that. If the season yeah. finished and we were ninth, that'd be absolutely fine. Take note, <coughs> it's fine. As long as we can keep the go. score under five, <laughs> more, more often than we don't. Now we've made this good start, just draws, nil-nil. <laughs> Let's start grinding them out. <laughs> Any other stuff we want to talk about then? Any other business to bring to the table before we wrap up this podcast? I wanted to mention that Barnsley had a picture of Darren Goff on their stadium, which given the fact he supports Spurs and MK Dons as well, yeah. <laughs> just seemed a little bit of a uh, pathetic statement, really. And they had some very young cheerleaders. Yeah. You were, you were nearer to them than yeah. us, I think. <laughs> um, you can't see RB check 20,000 people, can you? <laughs> Is it wrong that I took a picture for the mag? <laughs> Not for the mag, no, I yeah, took a yeah. picture. <laughs> they also had a collection of uh, 
comedy chavs as well in Barnsley who'd gathered by the Leeds fans who then all sat down when, the, when a few police walked around which was brilliant because they'd not even been told off they just saw him and went oh. and they were about 13 oh they? yeah yeah they were awful individuals all, all of them weighing about 7 or 8 stone at, at the, at the when, very when. most <laughs> might, that, but that's what might made have been the, able to take one out if, if I'd known <laughs> but that's, that's what um, made the whole thing worse wasn't it I mean those little idiots um, giving it the big come on you know when, when they were sticking goals past us I think, I think the song You Mean Fuck Call to us that, that was sung um, was was a great response, but unfortunately the players let us down. One of the joys of uh, well, one of the few pleasures involved in listening to it on the radio was hearing Tom Kerwin apologise if anyone was offended for, by the language <laughs> on um, Yorkshire Radio because at, at times um, it was actually a struggle to read the commentary over um, the swearing. <laughs> <laughs> But just a fact for you, the fact fans, there's no watershed on radio, so it didn't really have to apologise. What the fuck are we pussing f- pussyfooting around? <laughs> That'd have been really funny if you'd actually yeah. managed to. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> what I also enjoyed about the whole Boundsley experience as well was the uh, the Galatasaray songs that they were all singing, and as we were on the approach to the ground, being offered out by strange six-fingered hill folk I don't know what, what you could describe them as like they'd come up from underground from the little mines <laughs> to abuse us and they're, they're, there's I think we walked past one fellow who, like fucking come on you loud scum or something like that so the problem with this is everybody thinks it's us and this is something that's been um, for some reason more than last season um, match of the day and um, Sky's coverage of Premier League games has featured a lot of anti-Leeds songs, which um, Scum was singing it at Fulham. We were singing We All Like Leeds Scum, and that's all right because we sing about them, but Stoke against Aston Villa had Audible, We All Like Leeds Scum. And I think... Oh, I love that. What have we ever done to them, though? <laughs> it's, uh, I, people will say it, it's, because of how, it's because of the way you lot are. But I, th- I think people don't even realise why they hate us anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and our fans, particularly in this last 10, 15 years, uh, nowhere near as bad as... Gentlemen. Yeah, many other fans. Yeah, gentlemen to, to the last man. <laughs> <laughs> you can't move at Elland Road from Top Hat and Cairns. <laughs> and uh, it, this news just hasn't reached hasn't reached the... Um, but I, I like the fact... I love it. I love that it yeah. They sing that because they mean nothing to us, but yeah. we obviously still rile them. Just, just by being around. Yeah. It's kind of gone the other way from when Yeovil started turning up and they all appeared to have a problem with Leeds United. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even know where Yeovil was. Um, just give mention to <laughs> issue two of the magazine that went on sale for the Swansea game, on sale now, uh, featuring Moscow, your review of the book The Promised Land. It's, it sounds like my review is not quite as concise an opinion as your dog. <laughs> yeah, my dog, <laughs> as I posted on Twitter. My dog actually ate uh, my copy of The Promised Land. The, uh, the publisher was nice enough to send me a copy out, um, and I left it on my dining room table. I think um, me and the missus have established that there was a pack of unfinished dog chews next to the book, and he's just climbed up and helped himself and seen the book and thought fancy a piece of that yeah so he, uh, he's he shredded it unfortunately and part two of your uh, part two of your review of the 2000-2001 article uh, is in there and that's obviously the season just before it all went belly up that's the Champions League run isn't it, run, isn't it? so if you want to uh, relive memories of that living the dream quote unquote um, then have a, have a squiz at that in the current issue of the magazine also in there Oddie your pleasantly unhinged rant at all things about Derby you've got Clough uh, Junior Robbie Savage easy target really it pretty uh, much wrote itself when I started on Robbie, Robbie Savage yeah which came first the article or the photo of him in Ugg boots well I, I was searching for, for high resolution photos of him and that turned up uh, man in Ferrari and Ugg boots and what a I won't say it I was going to say I'd be, on, a, I'd be on the internet there's loads of pictures of c- <laughs> <laughs> 
I often look at little elves. <laughs> I think the bleep machine might have to come into play. Um, There's no watershed on radio. Uh, nor is there for podcasting. Uh, my girlfriend's brother is a Derby fan. He read it and he found it quite entertaining. So, Very good. First bit of reader Excellent. feedback. Uh, also in there, Steve Firth's article on Harry Q. I thought quite thought-provoking. Perhaps that we should forgive him for his... Uh, Stupidity. I don't think we should. I don't, no, no, not don't really. Don't like him. <coughs> Deserves um, everything he gets. But it's, it's a really interesting read. Uh, also in there, thebeatinggeneration.co.uk's infographic on who owns the club, uh, also put together there with the flying pig. It's Very well done, but still don't really understand. <laughs> it's all like Russian dolls. And I think, yeah, I think next issue we might be publishing an explanation of the infographic. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it certainly does shed a little bit of light on that very confusing statement that appeared on the uh, the club's official site regarding uh, the club's ownership anyway it, pr- it presents very confusing information in a very clear way but <laughs> doesn't doesn't make it <laughs> any more understandable <laughs> Also in there, uh, we never managed to get the opinion piece from the Kaiser Chiefs, which we mentioned on the last podcast, because they were off being rock stars somewhere, um, possibly throwing tellies out of hotel windows, who knows. Um, But we have got them on a a promise for a future edition, so uh, so look out for that in the magazine. You can buy it uh, at the home games on 24 hours a day via thesquareball.net forward slash shop. Uh, Get subscriptions uh, for this season, including all the issues that have gone, which is one and two. That's including the new digital download option, which is free of any postage costs, so it's nice and cost-effective um, if you're living abroad in particular, or you like PDF files. And if that's your lot, then we will say ta so it's goodbye from me, goodbye from Michael Normanton. Goodbye. Goodbye from Moscow White. Goodbye. And goodbye from Oddie. Goodbye. The next podcast will be available in two weeks. That's the week of the Preston game. Don't forget you can get in touch with us via email podcast at squareball.net uh, you can also find us on Facebook and you can find us on Twitter as well tweet at the squareball uh, thanks a million for listening and lending us your ears for the last hour uh, we'll be back in a fortnight and we'll speak to you then the squareball podcast Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 